Back to Basics, a complete Back to Basic program recorded live during the Back to Basic study by Tim B. My name is Tim and I am an alcoholic. Okay, so uh, step three tonight, but I did want to, uh, for the benefit of people that uh, were not here for last week or the week prior, maybe to just do a little recap, two second thing just to get us up to speed. And then we're going to do um, tonight's reading. So in step one, the only step we need to be 100% sure of, complete on board. And that's the concept of powerless over alcohol. If you have power over alcohol, you're, or a drug, you're in the wrong place because you are not powerless over it. So we need to decide if we're powerless over uh, alcohol. And uh, the other thing is, is that our life is unmanageable. How is our life unmanageable? Well, if you're here, your life is probably unmanageable. If you have a DWI, your life is probably unmanageable. If you uh, have switched from Jack Daniels to wine because you think that's going to be less of an issue, that is trying to manage something that is unmanageable. It's beyond human aid, right? So those are some examples of unmanageability, trying to adapt our lives to control booze or drugs. That's the idea. So you need to be crystal clear that you're powerless over alcohol and that your life is unmanageable. Because if your life was managed, you may, your, your stock portfolio may be correct, your car payment may be correct, your kid is still in UPenn. It's good. But that doesn't make your life manageable then. What makes your life unmanageable is trying to control something you're powerless over. Can't be managed, right? So that is the concept we wanted to leave you with. And the supplemental reading there was we read in the 12 and 12, all of step one. That would be the additional reading there. Step two we did last week. And there we've talked about uh, coming to believe that a power, capital P, some form of spiritual concept of power, doesn't necessarily have to be God, higher power, uh, it doesn't even have to be deity based, it has to be a power greater than yourself. And even if you don't feel that way, all you need is the willingness to get started. Good with that? I left out one little reading from last week accidentally, but now I'm glad I left it out because I think it may have uh, maybe prematurely uh, given us, um, rather than marinate on some of the things the big book told us about last week, um, it may have given us a fast move to not think enough about it. But in the 12 and 12, on page 27, second paragraph, I'm just going to read two quick paragraphs, and it's discussing step two. I must quickly assure you that AAs tread innumerable paths in their quest for faith. If you don't care for the one I've suggested, you'll be sure to discover one that suits if only you look and listen. Many a man like you has begun to solve the problem, booze, by the method of substitution. You can, if you wish, make AA itself your higher power. Small h, small p. We talk about this all the time in the rooms. Well, you can just make the group your higher power. And we think that Bill has said 
that you can make it your God. Higher power, small h, small p, is not a God. It is a group of people that have found the solution and you are glomming on to it temporarily to see if you can ultimately find your higher power, capital H, capital P. Watch this. Here's a very large group of people who have solved their alcohol problem. In this respect, they are certainly a power greater than you who have not even come close to a solution. Surely you can have faith in them. Even this minimum of faith will be enough. You will find many members who have crossed the threshold just this way. All of them will tell you that once across, their faith broadened and deepened. Relieved of the alcohol obsession, their lives unaccountably transformed. They came to believe in a higher power and most of them began to talk of God. So I think that's a neat little supplemental thing and a little bit of clarification for the stuff that we talk about in the rooms. We talk about, well, you know, use the group as the higher power. The big gig there was that it's small h, small p. Think about that. Okay. So um, I think that's all I want to say about one and two. And maybe when we go to do three, we'll do one, two, and three all together as a group because that won't take any time. Okay. In the big book, page 58. <clears throat> Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. Usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They are not at fault. They seem to have been born that way. They are naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Their chances are less than average. There are those too who suffer from grave emotional and mental disorders, but many of them do recover if they have the capacity to be honest. So we saw in that paragraph the importance of honesty said three times. Our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened and what we are like now. So what's that? Experience, strength and hope. If you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. At some of these, we balked. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely surrendered remember that we deal with alcohol cunning baffling powerful without help it is too much for us why because we're powerless we need to find the power but there is one capital o who has all power that one is god may you find him now half measures availed us nothing 50 percent effort gives you zero result we stood at the turning point 
we asked his protection and care with complete abandon. So <clears throat> this is where we could just read the steps. I don't, I don't think that's a good use of our time tonight. I've mentioned several times, where do you find the steps in the, in the big book? Well, there it is, page 59, okay? So, uh, and you can just refer to the shades up here. When you went, said without help, it was too much for us. What did you say? Uh, without that? help, there it is too much for us uh, that we are powerless. And our problem is that we're powerless and, and the solution is to find the power. Okay. If you're powerless, if you've agreed with that in one, then what's the answer? How do you, what, how do we overcome the problem? Find the power. Yeah. <clears throat> so we're going to skip now to page 60 and let's do the first paragraph there. So we didn't read the steps. Many of us exclaimed, what an order. I can't go through with it. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has been able to maintain anything like perfect adherence to these principles, meaning the steps. We are not, we are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines. The principles we have set down are guides to progress. We claim spiritual progress rather than spiritual perfection. Our description of the alcoholic, that's page 30, right? Step one. The chapter to the agnostic, page 44, that's step two. And our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A, that we were alcoholic and could not manage our own lives. Where did we see that before? That's step one. B, that probably no human power could have relieved our alcoholism. Step two, first part of step two. C, that God could and would if he were sought. That's step two. So those three pertinent ideas are steps one and two. What does the next line say? Being convinced. Convinced of what? A, B, and C. Being convinced we are at step three which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood him. Just what do we mean by that? And just what do we do? The first requirement is that we be convinced that any life run on self-will can hardly be a success. So although I gave you examples of an unmanageable life, Switching from Jack Daniels to wine, switching from, from uh, beer to spritzers, uh, not drinking before 5 p.m. and like forcing it on yourself and, 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 and all the different things it says on page uh, 31. All those different examples it gives on page 31. All those, although those are examples of unmanageability, what's the cause of the unmanageability? Selfish self-centeredness. Selfish self-centeredness is the root of all our problems. It does not say the champagne bottle. Selfish self-centered is the root, and we'll hit that in our reading. So if that doesn't you know, resonate, don't worry about it. Selfish self-centered is going to be repeated so many times, you're going to get a tattoo on it. 
Thank you. On that basis, we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people try to live by self-propulsion. Each person is like an actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever arranged, trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, and the rest of the players in his own way. If his arrangements would only stay put, if only people would do as he wished, the show would be great. Everybody, including himself, would be pleased. Life would be wonderful. In, in trying to make these arrangements, our actor may sometimes be quite virtuous. He may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. On the other hand, he may be mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. But as with most humans, he is more likely to have varied traits. What usually happens? The show doesn't come off very well. Trying to control your life through self-will, it usually doesn't come off very well. He begins to think like he begins to think life doesn't treat him right. There's a resentment. He decides to exert himself more. He becomes on the next occasion still more demanding or gracious as the case may be. Still, the play doesn't suit does not suit him. Admitting he may be somewhat at fault, he is sure that other people are more to blame. He becomes angry, indignant, self-pitying. What is his basic trouble? Is he not really a self-seeker, even when trying to be kind? Is he not a victim of the delusion that he can wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world if he only manages well, means control. My will, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enforce my will on you and then everything's gonna be good. I'm gonna feel great. And when I try and do that, maybe I have that delusion, but when I try and do that, I step on the toes of everybody around me and they retaliate at me. So it's a domino effect. Is it not evident to all the rest of the players that these are the things he wants and do not and do not his actions make each of them wish to retaliate snatching all they can get out of the show is he not even in his best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony our actor is self-centered Anytime you see self dash something, usually not good. <laughs> Egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. He is like the retired businessman who lulls in the Florida sunshine in the winter, complaining of the sad state of the nation. The minister who sighs over the sins of the 20th century. Politicians and reformers who are sure all would be utopia if the rest of the world would only behave. The outlaw safecracker who thinks society has wronged him and the alcoholic who has lost all and is locked up. Whatever our prostestinations, <laughs> always have trouble with that word. That's an emphatic declaration. Are not most of us concerned with ourselves, our resentments and our self-pity? Self or self-centered. That's the same as saying self or self-centered. 
selfishness, you know, similar words. So here it is. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles. That's it. You keep peeling the onion all the way back, you're going to get to that. I think you might have an argument, and we'll see something a little bit later on, that below even that is fear. I think we could, we could, we could play with that. But since this is a big book interpretation, a step interpretation, let's stick with what it's saying here right now. But I think we can find some other spots in the big book in which even fear is under here. Fear of what I'm going to lose or what I'm not going to get. Right. Wouldn't a Buddhist say that? That's the root, root cause of problems with the world. They would say that. In case you didn't know. Driven by a hundred forms of fear. Self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us. Seemingly, it only appears that way. Seemingly without provocation. But we invariably find that at some point in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which later placed us in a position to be hurt. A lot of wisdom in that sentence, I, I think. So our troubles, we think, are basically of our own making. They arise out of ourselves, and the alcoholic is an ex extreme example of self-will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. Above everything, meaning number one, top thing, 100%, above everything, we alcoholics must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. Is that enough of a reason to kind of pay attention? God makes that possible. Because it says someplace else in the reading here that if you try and get rid of your self-will, you're trying to get rid of something that you're beyond human aid on. You're powerless over getting rid of your self-will. You're selfish. You're powerless over it. God makes that possible. So that's finding the power. And even if you don't use a deity, that, that you're still good. But it can't be you. And there often seems no way of entirely getting rid of self without his, capital H, aid. So it's saying you will not be successful if you're in this game all by yourself. You got to get a team. You got to get a team. Many of us had moral and philosophical convictions galore, but we could not live up to them even though we would have liked to. In other words, we made the decision to live up to these moral standards, but we won't be able to. It's saying you will fail at it. Neither could we reduce our self-centeredness much by wishing or trying on our own power. We had to have God's help. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided that hereafter in this drama of life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal. We are his agents. He is the father and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone of the new and triumphant arch through which we passed to freedom. 
when we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We had a new employer. Being all powerful, he provided what we needed. Notice it didn't say wanted. He provided what we needed. I know you want a Ferrari, but maybe that's not what you need, right? He provided what we needed if we kept close to him and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans and designs. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. Isn't that the psychic change? The switching from what can I take out of life to what can I pack into life? Isn't that the goal of the, of the steps for that change? Switching from temporal to eternal. Switching from isolated, uh, fearful, protect what I've got, grab what I can get to what do you need? Because it's a paradox. When I do that, I receive. More and more, we became interested in seeing what we can contribute to life as we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, or the hereafter. We were reborn. We're new people, different people. Different way of looking at the world. New pair of glasses, right, Chuck Chamberlain? Uh, we are now at step three. This is where we were headed, right? Many of us said to our maker, as we understood him. In other words, whatever your definition of your higher power is, it's correct. No one can tell you it's wrong. Okay? Uh, so typically what's done here is that we read the third step prayer, and that is the the, you know, taking of the third step, but I can assure you, I probably take the third step three times a day because I'm always taking my will back. And that's, it's expected. And it's also expected that you catch yourself and get right back on the beam, right? So before we do three, because I promised Josh won this, we're going to do one and two real quick. Let's turn, um, let's turn to page 30. Second paragraph, first line. I'm going to change it to a question. Just follow me along, follow along with me, please. Do you fully concede to your innermost selves that you are alcoholic? Yes. yes. Soon as I say that to somebody, I then turn to page 33. First paragraph, last three lines. I remind them. If you are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor any lurking notion that someday you will be immune to alcohol. And they go, yeah, 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 yeah. But the idea behind that is, is quite often we see people, they, they stay around for a little while, they get a little traction, they got their... Uh, you know, they got the second car in the garage now. The, the, the employers left them alone. They got the promotion. 
and they say, yeah, you know, I don't really need to do step 12 anymore. I don't need to go to a meeting to help somebody else. And then what that leads to is, you know, maybe I was a little rash on this whole alcoholic idea. You know, maybe I could try, you know. So uh, that's to tell them that once you say you're an alcoholic, there's no backseas. <laughs> okay, so that's. That's the idea that that's the guarantees like it is guaranteed that one day I might pick up again, but for today I'm not and tomorrow I won't either kind of thing. Uh I don't know where I don't know if I could find that in the book, but I've heard it around. We'll 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 talk about that, but I don't think it's in the book. No. Okay. Okay, you knew it was. Okay, so you can do you can do it right off of the shade. Also, you can just say, "Do you admit you're powerless over alcohol and that your life is unmanageable?" And they say yes. I'd still turn to page thirty three and say uh, to to make sure that they understand that once you once you agree to that, you know, once a pickle, never a cucumber again. Once an alcoholic, you can't, that's it. Always an alcoholic. I convinced them of that. Okay, so let's do step two forty seven. And then we'll do it to three. Second paragraph, second line. Or the so second paragraph, first line. We needed to ask ourselves but one short, short question. And I'll change the wording just a dot because I'm asking you, right? Do you now believe or are you even willing to believe that there is a power greater than yourself? Yep. And I say yes. As soon as a man can say that he does believe or is willing to believe, we emphatically assure him that he is on his way. It has been repeatedly proven among us that upon this simple cornerstone, a wonderfully effective spiritual structure can be built. In other words, you're on your way. So, uh, yeah, I don't really believe right now, but yeah, but I'm willing. If you prove something to me later, if I see something later on and it convinces me, yeah, I, I'd be cool with that. Good. You're in. You took step two. It's not hard. One, one, you got to be all in on, right? You got to be that your power. If you think, yeah, I'm kind and not, I, I, yeah, no, stop. We got to fix that first. Okay, three, page sixty-three, and you could have changed the uh, the wording on the shade. You could read it out of page on fifty-nine, right? You can do. Uh, uh, have you come to believe in a power greater than yourself? That could restore you to, in, to <laughs> could restore you to sanity. They go, yes, okay. So you took the step also the same way. So if you're going to be restored to sanity, that means you are insane. insane. Okay. When when before the psychic change, because once you've done the psychic change, you have no excuses anymore. Okay. Um, second paragraph, page sixty three. We are now at step three. Many of us said to our maker as we understood him. I'll read it first and then we'll read it together as a team. Okay. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. So once we read that, this is the supplemental reading here. We thought well before taking this step, making sure we were ready that we could at last abandon ourselves utterly to him. And I want surrender when we um, uh, uh, surrender to the winning side. Right? 
So once we've done that, once we agree to do that, we're saying our self-will is secondary to your higher power's will. What you think your higher power wants you to do when you leave here, your, your higher power probably doesn't want you to cut somebody off and flip them the bird. Probably doesn't. If you do that, it was your self-will. Right? So what you what you think your higher power wants you to do the next right thing, that's not your will. You 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 can merge it with your, you know, uh, uh, moral compass. So, um, and I'm going to read this last uh, paragraph, and then we're going to do the step. We found it very desirable to take this spiritual step with an understanding person such as our wife, best friend, or spiritual advisor. But it is better to meet God alone. So in other words, you could do this on your own. You could surrender. We have pioneer stories where they were by themselves, middle of the night, you know, Fitz Mayo, he, and he drops to his knees, and, and there was a surrender by himself. Um, but it is better to meet God alone than with one who might misunderstand. The wording was, of course, quite optional, so long as we expressed the idea, the idea of turning our will over to uh, to accepting our higher powers uh, gui guidance, voicing it without reservation, not holding it back. This was only a beginning, though if honestly and humbly made an effect, sometimes a very great one was felt at once. Okay, so let's read it together. Again, page 63, second paragraph, second line. Here we go. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. So, I mean, that could be said, you know, on a daily basis. There are people that do, that's their morning prayer. So to remind you to get back into, the, you know, like I kind of take it all back and I, you know, I kind of think that I'm going to run everything myself. Now, uh, later on in our reading someplace, uh, Bill does talk about the correct use of will, that you, you, you pray a little bit, you, uh, you meditate a little bit, and then uh, you've already had your psychic change. Uh, you intuitively know something needs to be done. And you go out and you do that thing. Well, you might need a little self-will to pro propel you into doing that thing. But you're, you're acting on your higher power's will. Okay. Now, um, I wanted to read one thing and then I'm going to shut up. And we're going to go out of the... Uh, 12 and 12, I think just two quick paragraphs. And it's supplemental again. You don't need to use this. Just it's a uh, it's kind of a neat little thing that I'm finding. I, I, uh, I'm on page 34 for step three. And I'm on the second paragraph. And you don't need it. It's a quick two paragraphs. And totally supplemental. Page 34, second paragraph. Step three. Like all the remaining steps, step three calls for affirmative action. For it is only by action that we can cut away the self-will which has always blocked the entry of God 
or, if you like, a higher power into our lives. Faith, to be sure, is necessary, but faith alone can avail nothing. We can have faith, yet keep God out of our lives. What did uh, uh, Ann Smith always say? Faith without works is dead. That's a biblical quote. That's uh, James 2. Therefore, our problem now becomes just how and by what specific means shall we be able to let him in? Step three represents our first attempt to do this. In fact, the effectiveness of the whole AA program will rest upon how well and earnestly we have tried to come to a, quote, a decision to turn our will and lives over to the care of God as we understood him. This is the the next paragraph. So it's on 35. This is the first paragraph. And it's the last one. To every worldly and practical-minded beginner, this step looks hard, even impossible. No matter how much one wishes to try, exactly how can he turn his own will and his own life over to the care of whatever God he thinks there is? Fortunately, we who have tried it and with equal misgivings can testify that anyone, anyone at all, can begin to do it. We can further add that a beginning, even the smallest, is all that is needed. Once we have placed the key of willingness in the lock and have the door ever so slightly open, we find that we can always open it some more. Though self-will may slam it shut again, as it frequently does, it will always respond the moment we again pick up the key of willingness. And uh, I think that's a perfect way to end that step.